It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Apparently Netflix is out with their list of what series are going to return and which ones have been uh, axed, at least for now. Hmm. And uh, it mentions Floor is Lava. See Floors Lava's Fate. I'll have to check that out because that's a fan favorite at our household. Floors Lava is a good TV show. It's a great game, too. Are you kidding? Yeah. I don't think it's technically Netflix, but Ted Lasso's coming out with season two pretty soon. Yeah, that's Apple. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah, I time. haven't seen that yet. I have a feeling I'm going to end up binging that at it's some point. Good. It's that's good. what I hear. Yeah. Really kind of nice and life affirming. I'm jealous don't we all you need to, a little more of that. I'm jealous you get to watch it for the first time. It's a, it's a fun, fun watch. It's multi level good, too. Cool. Cool. Glad to hear it. Uh, so a couple of things coming up you probably want to know about. Number one, do you remember that brilliant letter from a teacher at a woke school in New York? Now, this is not the brilliant letter from the dad at the woke school in New York that we shared with you a couple of days ago, but the, the from the teacher, brave teacher by the name of Paul Rossi. Well, he had a conversation with his principal about his letter and the problems at the school that got recorded. I think New York might be a single-party state. Um, we can talk about that down the road. But um, and, and some of the things the principal said in response to the teacher's concerns about the uh, critical race theory garbage, really revealing, really interesting. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. It's, and, it's uh, something. Breaking at this hour, protesters have dumped a wheelbarrow full of cow dung in front of the White House, unhappy with President Biden's efforts on climate change. On this Jack, it's multiple wheelbarrows. On this Earth Day. Good Lord. I don't know how this helps, though. Hmm. Get news coverage? Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack, you as a, a guy who worked with cattle during your younger years, and me as a guy who lived in Kansas for quite a few years, I'm not impressed by cow dung. No. It's fine. 
Um, it's it's one of your least defensive dungs on the planet, really. Yeah, it doesn't bother me, really. Um, Depending on the quantity, of course. President Biden actually did announce some pretty aggressive uh, climate change stuff today that we ought to get to later. Goals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw a great analysis of one of the goals that makes it clear that, well, I'll give you the punchline in case you have to go, because I'm not sure when we'll get to it. The punchline is we would have to build two nuclear power plants per week for the next 10 years. Are we going to? I doubt it. Probably no more than one, one per week. Anyway, so getting back to this study, really interesting, uh, by a website that does not care who it offends. It says some critical stuff about Trump voters. It says plenty of critical stuff about Biden voters, who uh, progressive voters are twice as likely to believe not true things, and uh, probably because the media pitches them, so they're just exposed to a lot more than than conservative untruths, which you have to kind of work a little harder to get. Uh, but we went through some of the COVID stuff, which is really interesting. Let's talk about income, wealth, and poverty. Um, I guess we already hit that. Um, yeah. Do middle-income people in the U.S. have a higher, lower average standard of living than middle-income people in other wealthy nations like Britain, Canada, and Sweden? The correct answer is higher, significantly higher. Our middle class, our poor people in the U.S. have very good financial lives. Um, only 27% of Biden, Biden voters knew that. Two-thirds of Trump voters said it was true. Uh, moving along, if the federal government doubled the minimum wage, how much do you think this would increase the average income of families below the poverty line? About 1%, about 25%, or about 50%? Now, the correct answer is about 1%, and I'll explain why in a second or two. Uh, but uh, that answer was given by only 20% of all voters. Only 8% of Biden voters knew that. Less than 1 in 10. Uh, Just under 40% of Trump voters said that. Here are some of the primary reasons. Congressional Budget Office has estimated, this is the CBO now, that doubling the federal minimum wage from seven and a quarter to fifteen bucks an hour would raise the average income of families below the poverty line by $589 per year. That's roughly 1% of their total income. Some of the reason why the increase is so low? The vast bulk of people in poverty work very little or not at all. In 2018, only 27% of adults in poverty were in the labor force for even half the year. Wow, I didn't this know include, that. Right. This includes part-time workers and those who were simply looking for work. I did not know that. The CBO estimates that doubling the minimum wage would destroy about 1.4 million jobs, and many of these would be lost by poor people. Executives are not going to lose their jobs over that. This is because when the cost of employing low-wage workers goes up, some employers will replace them with machinery, technology, and higher-wage workers. The total income of households in poverty is several times greater than commonly reported. The poverty income statistics widely used by governments and media outlets exclude many goods and services that poor people receive from government and charities, like free health insurance, food stamps, housing, utilities, preschool, college, and cell phones. I found that interesting. Uh, bah, 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 bah. In your view, did the average middle-income uh, household's income rise or fall during the Obama administration? The correct answer is it rose. Um, 80% of Biden voters said that. 9% of Trump voters. Hmm. So there you go. On average, do you think that men and women in the U.S. earn equal pay for equal work? The correct answer is yes. Almost exactly yes. 5% of Biden voters responded that way. Wow. 5%. A little over half of Trump voters believe that. And, you know, we've hit this a number of times through the years, but maybe it's worth um, 
you know, mentioning one more time. On average, full-time, year-round female workers earn about 23% less cash wages than males. But when the following six factors relating to equal work and pay are taken into account, the gap evaporates completely. Full-time male workers average 8% more work days per year and 8% more work hours per work day than full-time female workers. Men tend to work more. Men are more likely to pursue technically demanding and higher-paying careers, such as computer science, finance, and engineering. Women are more apt to take jobs that offer higher fringe benefits in exchange for less cash wages, which is a perfectly reasonable decision. Women are more likely to temporarily leave their careers to raise family, resulting in less work experience and continuity. Maybe you think that's some sort of tragedy. Uh, We could argue about that. I don't. Five, women are more apt to choose jobs with shorter commutes over those with higher pay. Another perfectly reasonable decision It's a personal decision, but it results in slightly lower pay. And more than 28% of U.S. workers are in physically challenging occupations like construction. Uh, And most men have considerably more muscular strength than most women. Men also uh, are virtually, there's something like 98% of the dangerous work, uh, dangerous job holders uh, in America. So there it is. Only 5% of voters knew that, uh, Biden voters knew that. You could excuse them, really. Because they've gotten that message a million times, even though it's a lie. There are some racial things that are interesting. Maybe we'll hit those a little bit later on. We have got to take a look at this uh, shooting. So, you know, if you want to have the most inflammatory and, in this case, inaccurate uh, headline, as another unarmed person of color shot dead by police. Uh, Video shows the person to be quite armed with a knife, and they were about to use it on another girl. Um, so we got to bring you up to speed on that story in case you haven't heard about it. And um, some of the usual suspects are being good and honest about it, which I appreciate, uh, like over on CNN. It which, shocked me. Yeah. Um, but uh, you need to know what's going on. And I just came across this from the Federalist. NBC um, deceptively edits the 911 call and the body cam video of that. So I'm going to look that over during the commercial and oh see if there's gosh. anything to that. Um, but if you don't know that story, you, you definitely should hear it. That's on the way. Bottom line, did Micaiah Bryant need to die yesterday? How did we get here? This is a failure on part of our community. Some are guilty, but all of us are responsible. That was the rather confusing statement by the mayor of Columbus, Ohio, Andrew James Ginther. Uh, 15 or 16-year-old young woman attacking several others with a knife shot dead by a police officer who responded to the scene. 
She was absolutely not unarmed, even though civil rights attorney, and that's in quotes, Benjamin Crump, claimed in writing on social media that she was unarmed. She was armed. She was attempting to stab people. Here's his tweet from yesterday, and he was on all the TV shows yesterday in the morning because they were talking about the George Floyd verdict, right? And so on, you know, uh, Good Morning America and the Today Show and all your cable shows and everything like that, Ben Crumb tweeted out later in the day after this shooting happened, as we breathed the collective sigh of relief today, a community in Columbus felt the sting of another police shooting as the at Columbus police killed an unarmed 15-year-old black girl named Micaiah Bryant. Another child lost, another hashtag. And then the solidarity fist and praying, hashtag justice for Micaiah Bryant. That is an attempt to get a race war going or to get rioting in the streets. The fact that guy should not be on any more shows ever. I'll be interested to see if CNN or MSNBC has him on after that. Or at least asks him about that and allows him to back off of it. So I didn't see the whole video. I'd heard something differently or something. Because he should not get any uh, serious FaceTime after that. Um, one of my well, favorite... his business model is terrifying cities or counties or states into huge settlements. So if he whips up anger among mobs with inaccuracies, he doesn't care. Um. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't correct the tweet or delete the tweet, or hasn't so far. Um, uh, a pundit I like uh, tweeted, retweeted it, and said she was not unarmed. She was attempting to plunge a knife into another black girl's head. Absolutely astonishing to me that people with this much influence apparently feel no shame or sense of responsibility to correct their misinformation. I would agree. Happy to hear CNN though. Um, you know, playing it straight on this one, I, you know, the video is pretty overwhelmingly clear what's going on there. This is Don Lemon and, uh, the, the Cuomo that's not the, uh, the murderous brother. Mike, did I get my computer? Got to be fair about what happens when police arrive at scenes. It is tragic that it's a 16 year old girl, just as it is tragic that it's a 13 year old in Chicago. Um, when police are chasing people, they don't know how old they are. And they don't run and say, hey, how old are you? Oh, I'm 13. You know, my mom let me, you don't know that. Or I'm 16. When they roll up on a scene, they see people tussling around. Someone has a knife. And their job is to protect and serve every life on that scene. And if they see someone who is in the process of taking a life, what is that decision? What decision do they have to make? And I know that people say, well, you know, you can do this, you can do that. Tasers don't work the way guns work. Not at that, not at that distance. Not at that distance. And And not with that amount of time. Yeah, right. Tasers, then they don't always connect. So, uh, happy to hear that out of CNN. Uh, But again, when next time you have Benjamin Crump on, the lawyer, and you know you're going to have him on again, uh, there's another shooting that happened uh, just uh, like in the last hour. Deputies serve warrant on black men end up killing him. If there's anything to this story, that makes it look like a good one to latch on to. Crump will be there at the scene today. Are, is he going to be allowed on MSNBC and CNN? To, or are they going to make him clean up that lie that an unarmed girl was shot when she had a knife in her hand? Now, another take on this, which is interesting, if you don't remember who Valerie Jarrett was, Barack Obama's, Barack Obama's closest advisor, really. Yeah, closest <laughs> confidant, according to everyone. The, the woman he talked to it is, you know, running for president. And after he was president, Valerie Jarrett tweeted out, 
A black teenage girl named Micaiah Bryant was killed because a police officer immediately decided to shoot her multiple times in order to break up a knife fight. Demand accountability. Fight for justice. So you read that as... Well, I heard her, she was asked about it, Okay, and I, I can't remember where I saw this, but she said essentially, look, we all got in fights as kids, and some of them involved knives. We don't need a police officer to show up and, 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 and shoot people. Yeah, I've been very open about the fact I do not come from a tough hood or a tough background at all. Uh, Can I get an opt-in card where if somebody is attacking we, me with a knife, I want police to intervene? Because I'd like to opt into that. Well, and the people who called 911 wanted desperately for the police to intervene. Do we have the 911 call? thought we had that. So is Valerie Jarrett suggesting that uh, knife fights are pretty common and usually end up okay, and it's just teenagers being teenagers? No need to shoot anybody? That would seem to be her point. Now, if you grew up in a world where knife fights were regular and people didn't actually stab anybody, I, I could see how you'd think that. I mean, so this girl was just like... She shoves the other girl up against the car and brings the knife back. She, but she was just going to threaten her, I guess. I don't know. I'd I hate don't to, know. Yeah, and as a cop, you're supposed to wait and assume that that's what's going to happen. That's a tough well, one. If I'm on the receiving end of the blade, I'd just as soon opt in, like Sean said. By the way, so the cop opened fire. Uh, a man at the scene who's close to the officer says, she's a blanking kid. Damn, are you stupid? To the policeman? Yeah, to the policeman. So I'm not sure if I get stabbed by a 16-year-old, I can tell the difference between getting stabbed by an 18-year-old. You're less dead, yes. You're you're dead in a different way. You're bleeding in a different way. No, it's it's a really odd attitude. Um, you know, if it's a mentally ill person who's waving around a you know you know whatever, you it st- needs to be handled in a very different you way. You still but- have to shoot them if they're about to stab somebody. Yeah, and I hope we're working to get that 911 call going. And, Jack, you were looking into whether NBC had uh, edited it dishonestly. Yeah, it was, as usual, an overstated headline. Okay, fair enough. Um, yes, we have it. So we're... Hey, do you see any weapons? We need, a, we need a police officer here now. Do you see any weapons? officer now. Okay. Uh, they, they mentioned that a girl here is here. She's, uh, she's waving a knife or, or threatening people with knives. She's trying to lay hands on my grandma. We need a police officer here now. So those people, the victims, didn't agree with Valerie Jarrett at all. Remember the polling that came out after defund the police blew up with, uh, the, the, your, a lot of your neighborhoods of color? They wanted more police funding. Right. Yeah, not, not less, and that's for situations like this, I guess. There's a little more on this story. We're running out of time this segment, but uh, Jen Psaki from the press briefing room at the White House said some inexcusable things. Or just, you know, she's trying to whip up the, the people in an inexcusable way, uh, among other factors with this uh, case. It's something. But again, thank God there's a video. Thank God there's a video. There'd be people in the streets all across this country burning stuff down right now if there weren't video. And Getty. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tomorrow, President Biden and 40 other world leaders are kicking off a big virtual climate summit. The guest list includes Vladimir Putin, Bill Gates, Pope Francis, and one very stressed out IT guy. (laughs) Your Holiness, could you uh, try closing the browser and signing back in? So, I don't know what the Oscars are going to look like, but uh, later we'll have to get to this uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post by Sonny Bunch, who's a columnist and knows a lot about Hollywood, I guess. You want to get political at the Oscars? Tell the truth about what China is doing in Xinjiang. That's where they got the uh, Uyghur concentration camps. I'll read from some of that coming up a little bit. Excellent. Excellent. Love to see it. I might actually pay some attention to the Oscars just to see if anything like that happens. Uh, so a quick follow-up on the the absolutely tragic. I mean, it's terrible. A 16-year-old girl who originally I read was a foster kid, um, but her mom is, is discussed in the story. I'm not sure exactly what her background is, but at any rate, a, a kid with that lifestyle is dead now having gotten involved in uh, fisticuffs that turned into a knife fight or something, and and she was killed by a police officer in Columbus in the act of trying to stab somebody. Um, So it is absolutely tragic. But Jen Psaki from the halls of the White House had this take, 31. 
the killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and Latino people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. That's actually not even true. It's much more complicated than that. But, you know, I'm not going to, we can reset that another time. But for her to say, well, regardless of the facts, it's important that we stay whipped up and, and, and people see this as a racial incident, even if it's not. I just thought that was awful. Of course it is. And I will tell you this. If this cop, again, Desperate 911 call. Please come. There's a woman with a knife. We need a police officer now. He roars up to that scene knowing there's a deadly weapon being wielded. And he has to react and he begs her to stop and drop and, and she goes to stab the other girl. He shoots her. Okay. If this police officer is prosecuted in any way, if he suffers really any negative, um, repercussions from what he did, what he had to do, there will you will see a hundred thousand cops resign across America. I don't, and we will have an enormous shortage of police officers. I don't even think anything's going to happen to him legally. But LeBron James tweeted out a picture of him and his name with "Your Next." That doesn't help anything. Now LeBron deleted that, but it was already out there. Yeah, and uh, hashtag accountability. Yeah, which look, I get that LeBron didn't mean let's hunt him down and kill him. But that's an incredibly dangerous thing to say during an incendiary time, particularly before any of the facts are known. I mean, LeBron James, I think, is an idiot. He's a brilliant athlete, but he is dangerous because he is he has the hyper-confidence of the superstar. He's willing to say anything, no matter how dangerous it is, and he just doesn't care. So that was irresponsible, and he's getting a whacking for it, and he should be. You know, as long as we're on the topic, then we'll move on to other things. Uh, Tucker with a really interesting story last night about um, uh, where big BLM protests take place and riots and the rest of it and the repercussions. This is clip number 33. Well, here's some data, and it comes from, of all places, the website Vox, which cites the following study. Quote, from 2014 to 2019, a researcher called Campbell tracked more than 1,600 BLM protests across the country, largely in bigger cities, with nearly 350,000 protesters. Now, the net result was, quote, roughly 300 fewer police homicides in census places that saw BLM protests. Okay, 300. But here's the cost of that, and we're quoting. Campbell's research also indicates that these protests correlate with a 10% increase in murders in the areas that saw BLM protests. That means from 2014 to 2019, there were somewhere between 1,000 and 6,000 more homicides that would have been expected if places with protests were on the same trend as places that did not have protests. You following the math there? Thanks to BLM, says this researcher, police shot about 300 fewer suspects. And in exchange for that, up to 6,000 new murders took place, many of innocents and children. So that's the bargain that we have made, and we just doubled down on that. I'm sure there are nuances to those statistics that I would like to know, 
Um, but I'm thinking, I think a lot about Chicago because I grew up right outside the city and I spent just loads and loads of time actually in the city of Chicago. And there are parts of Chicago that are violent. There is regularly violence. There are lots of gangs, lots of bad people, lots of people for whom pulling a trigger, pointing a gun and pulling a trigger means nothing. I mean, it's just something they do fairly routinely. Um, the idea that the police sometimes have to shoot people there is just utterly unsurprising. And I do get the idea, and Baltimore was a pretty good case of this, too. The cops just they felt like they had to pull back. It was it had become too dangerous. There was nothing but negative, nothing but downside to them doing their jobs in these hoods. So they pulled back. But that's something. That's amazing. Yeah, I'd say so. Speaking of amazing, the, uh, that, that brave uh, da- uh, teacher who came out and talked about the woke culture at his school and how corrosive it is, he had a conversation with his principal that was caught on tape. We'll play that for you coming up. It is something. Cool. Um, uh, so they flew the little helicopter drone on Mars again. You know, they did that earlier this week. It was first powered flight on another sphere ever. I guess we were supposed to be excited about that. I mean, I think I'm it's told really, I should be excited. I think it's amazing we're on Mars and we're seeing videos from it. The helicopter thing didn't quite do it for me. But anyway, the Na- thin Martian atmosphere, Jack. NASA has logged another extraterrestrial first. Converting carbon dioxide from the Martian atmosphere into pure, breathable oxygen. Oh. NASA said yesterday, the Mm. unprecedented extraction of oxygen literally out of the thin air on Mars was achieved by an experimental device on board the Perseverance, that uh, that rover that landed there back in February. Um, It's got a toaster-sized instrument dubbed the MOXIE. Short for I'd rather have an instrument-sized toaster, but go on. Which Moxie is short for Mars Oxygen in Situ Resource Utilization Experiment. Okay, fine. We know. Fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it produced about five grams of oxygen, equivalent to roughly ten minutes worth of breathing for an astronaut. Calling Matt Damon. Calling Matt Damon. Um, so that is a pretty big deal. I'm more impressed with that than I am with the danged helicopter. So they took some of that Martian air and turned it into oxygen quite quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking full on. There's nothing stopping us from sending people who are willing to die on Mars to Mars to, uh, I don't, what are they going to do once they get there? Study experiments. It's going to be a, uh, an MTV reality show. Could be. What was that one? Was the one where they all lived together and we just watched them live together? Big brother on Mars, exactly. Mars, big brother. That's what it'll be. Be like Biodome, Um, Polly Shore classic. Bingo. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm somewhat familiar with the technology. I mean, barely, barely, but uh, of the Moxie, uh, submarines have been manufacturing their own breathable air for quite a long time. So I'm sure they just had to adapt that sort of thing. Uh-huh. They don't pop up to the uh, the surface and get brand new air for all the sailors to breathe when they're underwater for months at a time. So there's we're real we're going to Mars. I hope I live long enough to see this when we send people to Mars and they're talking to us from Mars and all that sort of stuff. Gonna be a weird experiment for mankind to send send some people to another plate another planet to die. Um, you know, hopefully they'll live a long life and die of natural causes, but they will be. Dying on another planet, going, and with how many people? And I they, mean, if you if you had a decent sized group, that would be a very different dynamic than if it's you and one guy and he dies the next week in a tragic, you know, 
electrocution accident working on that drone, and then it's just you for the next 30 years? Ooh, by yourself. Hey, hey, hey. And my drone guy's dead? Oh, man. Or somebody gets on your nerves? Just and you're just you're stuck with these same couple of people for eternity. Right. And what you just yeah. kink their air hose? What, 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 what? Or, or or Sean, Sean, you, you give them a shove, accidentally tearing their suit. Whoosh, all the air goes out of it. They're dead. You're a murderer on Mars. Actually, now this is kind of grim, given the subject matter of the last several days. But more grim than mine. You get enough people on Mars, you will have the first murder on Mars, but. Couldn't you, among a small group of people, you could commit the murder right there on live video? And what are you going to do back there on Earth? You got to, what? We don't have the the systems in place to deal with this. I'll wait several years for you to come arrest me. Yeah. This guy was driving me crazy, so I kinked his arrows. (laughs) Boo-hoo. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. I need to write that science fiction short story. That's uh, that's a good one. Heinlein probably already has. Um, uh, so we got that teacher thing coming up that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good stuff. It'll open your eyes, my friends. Well, oh, and I got to get to that uh, op-ed about the Oscars. And the Oscars should get political this year and on what topic. And I'd love to see this happen. Stay tuned for all that. Armstrong and Getty. Do you agree that we're demonizing kids? We're demonizing um, kid. We're, we're demonizing white people for being born. And, uh, and are some of our and students white people? Them. What are some of our students white people? Yes. That is private school teacher Paul Rossi, who wrote that um, that that letter to his school. Um, that was uh, prominently featured in the New York Post, among other places, including the Armstrong and Getty show, where uh, he, he said that we're damaging kids with critical race theory. It's an awful ideology. It's terrible. We shouldn't be teaching it in the school. And uh, I actually I don't know the full background on this conversation he had, but the, the other voice was the headmaster of the school, whose name is George Davison. And what he was willing to admit in private is shocking. And I think the uh, the headline, if there is one, is that a lot of people who seem to be going along with this stuff are too terrified to resist. I and they, underst- and I, they understand it's I, awful. I get how that's uh, how you'd feel that way. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll play you some extended clips of the conversation. Thirty six, Sean. Let me ask you something, George, because I think those are I think there's something very different. Now, about having a single experience where you make sense of it, right? And having a teacher, an authority figure, talk to you endlessly every year telling you that because you have whiteness, you are associated with evils, all these different evils. These are moral evils. It's not the same as taking like a physical thing because it doesn't affect your 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 moral value. That's the problem. The 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 fact is that I'm agreeing with you that there has been a demonization 
that we need to get our hands around in the way in which people are doing this understanding. Okay, so you agree that you, we're demonizing kids? We're demonizing um, kid. We're, we're demonizing white people for being born. And, uh, and are some of our and students white right. people? What? Are some of our students white people? Yes. Okay, so we're demonizing white. We're demonizing white kids. Why don't you just say it? We are, I, we are using language that makes them feel less than um, for nothing that they are personally responsible for. Well, that's a frank admission, and I appreciate it. I wish it were borne out in their curriculum, but let's go ahead with 37. I also um, have grave doubts about some of the doctrinaire stuff that gets spouted at us in the name of anti-racism. Like what? And, and, and so I don't disagree entirely with some of your points of view. Can you elaborate? Because it would help me. It would help me understand, like, what's going on. I think that one of the things that's going on a little too much, and we've talked about this, is that um, the demonization of being white um, and, and the attempt to link anybody who's white to the perpetuation of white supremacy. Thank you. Thank you, George. So there is no question that there is an entire strain in here that um, causes them misinterpretation. Now, I am someone. Wait, 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 wait a minute. But what about impact over intent? Don't no, those kids get the benefit of impact over intent? Uh, by the way, we have one more clip to play, but it's worth noting that before the headmaster knew that the call had been recorded, he denied saying any of those things on the phone. The school lied in a statement they put out, and that is why Mr. Rossi produced the tape. Now, we can talk about the morality of taping somebody when they're not aware yeah, of it. I, that makes me feel a little oogie, but... Although, if you are dealing with dangerous, ugly, racist policies, and you know they're going to deny telling the truth, and you know they're going to perpetuate it, I would tape them. I would tape him, and I would stick him with it. I'm surprised he, even when he thought it was a private conversation, was willing to say this stuff. Yeah. One more clip, 38. Our attempt is going to be to get everybody centered again. All right. Um, I will tell you, I mean, that's a huge task because I will tell you that we are, if you if you try to do that, um they're they're already like the barn doors open and they're all in the barn i mean they're gonna they're gonna they're fighting a revolution that you you don't even know they're fighting and grace they're gonna hollow out grace and they're gonna move on to the next institution that's what's gonna happen like i i think that they've hollowed out a bunch of other ones ahead of us so yeah that's what i'm saying you're just you're just a little stone in the path this beautiful wonderful institution that's educated so many children over so over almost a century is is over a century so it it reminds me well first of all i can't even believe we're having these conversations it's amazing to me that we're actually having a conversation nationwide about whether or not it's okay to demonize a race including the children of that race boy boy, the, the, the the era i grew up in that was just something that was not on the table for discussion and now it is beyond on the table. It's what we teach kids. Second part is that that really 
I got on a kick reading about the French Revolution, read one of the best books ever written about the French Revolution, and they explained in there and how you only need 15% of the population to pull off a revolution. Part of it is you need 15% who are committed to it. Then you got a whole bunch of people who are, don't really agree but will go along because they're scared. Um, and, uh, and, and you get it enough that you easily get over 50%, even though you only got 15% to even believe any of this crap. This guy would be some of the scared crowd. He clearly does not buy into it, but he right. thinks there's nothing I can do. And, and it's happening no matter whether I like it or not. And I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm willing to implement racism. Well, and he said, yeah, they've hollowed out a bunch of other schools just to ruin them. And, and yeah. And, and I'm just going to say, yeah, we're happen. next. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've had, I've changed jobs a number of times of, you know, I just, uh, I, I would not sit there and take it. Especially, I don't have it in me. Well, especially for the education of kids. Oh, my so God. So you're going to yeah. teach a yeah, whole bunch of... Yeah, we're demonizing little kids. I feel bad about it. You're going to teach a whole t- teach a whole bunch of white kids that they're uh, bad because of their skin color? Then you're going to teach the pe- the kids of color that their white classmates are bad because of their skin color? And oh they, my God. they can't possibly succeed in America. And then when people start dying because of this in future years because they grew up with this belief, wow, and it looks like South Africa, wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, the principal's a coward. And when Rossi, the teacher, emailed me, said, listen, this stuff is serious. As, as we were discussing on the phone and you said this, and the, the principal came back with, you misquoted me and attributed to me things I would never have said. And that's why Rossi brought that tape out. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked he said it out loud even when he thought it was a private conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of cowardice in the world today. I don't know, this year, you know what? You can get another job. Everybody's hiring. Uh, do you have any principles? Uh, you, you run your life the way you want, I suppose, and I'll run mine, but I don't get it. He's I do not get it. Not willing to stand by the racist policies implementing. That's, that's a doubly bad. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.